February 24th, 2019. Get ready for the Nationals baseball podcast so nice they did it twice. Today's topics, baseball is back. Spring training baseball, that is. But Bryce Harper's still out there. Plus, we play the where is this player game. In Boston, Massachusetts, it's Johnny Rash. From Ann Arbor, Michigan, it's Jacob Rash. This is The Rashcast with Jake and John. Hi, welcome back to The Rashcast, episode two. We managed to get out of bed. Out of bed, you mean it's 10 o'clock in the morning. 10 o'clock in the morning on a Sunday. Do you have any idea? I didn't even know 10 o'clock on a Sunday even existed. So, uh, the Nationals came back yesterday. They played a game on television. And boy, it was something. It was a game. Sure was. Had everything. A Juan Soto single. A walk-off. A walk-off from Adrian Sanchez. A player you've actually heard of, which is pretty remarkable for the ninth inning of a spring training game. Considering I did not recognize any Astro who played in that game after the fourth inning. I barely recognize the starters. Yeah, that's, I mean, it was a technically a road game that they were playing in their own facility, but they could not be bothered to send any starters. The most recognizable face was Jake Marisnik, who is not exactly a star. Hey, he did homer off of, he did homer off of Scherzer. That is true. He did hover off of Max Scherzer, bringing him in line with such other wonderful stars of Major League Baseball as Jose Iglesias in that one game. Yes, that was his 20-strikeout game. That was the 20-strikeout game. I'm just thinking of Jose Iglesias because he got jobbed hard. The man had... Yes, he did. He was a two-win player last year. I saw on Twitter someone yesterday was saying, you know, there's any contending team would benefit from having a guy like Iglesias on their bench. It's the truth. I mean, he's a great defensive shortstop, one of the best in the game, and he got a minor league deal with the Reds. He's not even going to be their starter because they're going to stick out uh, Peraza. Uh, and, and the truth is, Iglesias, I mean, he was a two-win player last year. That's a league average starter. He could start for so many teams. The Pirates are rolling with Kevin Newman as their shortstop, and they're allegedly contending. Or doing something. I don't really know what they're doing. They've, for some reason, decided that Ivan Nova, the only pitcher that they had, who they could rely on to throw 190 innings, uh, they didn't want him. So they exchanged him for the much cheaper Jordan Lyles for no other reason than it saved about $6 million. But... Uh, Anyway, we're getting sort of off-topic and rambling here. Uh, (laughs) Well, we're still on-topic. At least we're still talking about baseball. That's true. We could be talking about the Academy Awards. I have not seen any of the award-winning movies except for Black Panther. You're not missing much. That's what I've heard. Let's talk about Green Book. (laughs) (laughs) Let's let's not. (laughs) No, let's not. So anyway, Jose Iglesias... Jose Iglesias wasn't the only shortstop to sign a contract this week. There was another one. Um, I don't know if you. Who, I don't Johnny, know if you heard who? about this. Uh, Manny you Machado this? signed. You did it. Did you ever? Uh, Manny Machado <laughs> signed a ten-year, 
$300 million contract with the San Diego Padres. Yes, he did. What are your... He's not playing shortstop. He's going to be playing third. No. Which is Which good is probably because... his best position. Well, he's not interesting as a shortstop. I mean, he's fine. He can stick at the position. But he's a world-class third baseman, and I'd way rather watch mm-hmm. him play third. So yes. that's, uh, to me, good for the game. But more so, it's the fact that someone actually signed him, which is also yeah. good for the game. Yeah. No, I mean, it took I mean, it took a while. But I feel like his market was more out there than Harper's was. Um, I mean, you heard the White Sox made a, a fair offer. It uh, was. Eight years, two, I, 250. I'm not really sure why they decided to make those last two years vesting options. Uh, mm-hmm. I mean, if you're that worried about, I mean, it's it's 2027 and 2028. Jerry Reinsdorf is 83 years old. Like odds are he's going to be dead by then. Yikes, grim. I I don't mean to be grim about it, but like, why are you sabotaging your chance to get this player over something that's going to happen nine and ten years from now under probably not this CBA. Maybe not even the next CBA, but the CBA after that. When you're an 83-year-old who, by 2027, is, you know, looking at the actuarial tables, probably not going to be alive. I think, you know, just the White Sox as a team, I think they did a terrible job with their whole rebuild. And so the Padres, from Manny Machado's perspective, I mean, the Padres offered more guaranteed money, but they also have a much stronger core and a much better team that they build around for Machado. I mean, the truth is you can't really say that, because if you looked at the White Sox last year, you would have said the same thing. Uh, talent develops in weird ways. The White yeah. Sox had a ton of young talent, and, I mean, I don't want to cast them off yet, but Kopech got Tommy John. Moncada has never looked like the star people thought he was going to be. Obviously, Eloy Jimenez is better than... I don't want to say he's better than anyone in the Padres system because Fernando Tatis Jr. might be as good. But, I mean, he's a mega prospect who should be in the major leagues right now and would be if not for manipulation of his service time. But, I mean, you look at every prospect. Giolito. I know you're disdained for Lucas Giolito. I have no, no, I have no ill will towards <laughs> Lucas Giolito. I like the man personally. He seems like a very nice guy. I'm just, you know, not upset when he fails, uh, <laughs> which is not a nice thing to say. But I'm not a very nice person, so no, you're not. No, uh, but I just, you know, even even with Moncada, I mean, he's he's been roughly average as a second baseman, but the guy was the number one prospect in baseball. He yeah. signed for, well, he signed for technically $35 million, but uh, with the penalty that the Red Sox had to pay, it was more like 70 Uh mm-hmm. And, I mean, this was, this was a major prospect. Speaking of which, I found watching baseball yesterday, I did the quad box and watched as much spring training action as I could because... I'm a mass in it. I'm a masochist, but uh, I, I found out that Rusne Castillo, he of the six-year, seventy-two million-dollar contract, and the 150-ish major league at bats, uh, he's still around. He played in Pawtucket last year. He hit 
looking at about a 770 OPS. He's still got two years left on that deal, not to bounce around. But uh, wow. yeah, he's he's still around. He f- he falls in the Yasmani Tomas of guys who got big contracts and did nothing with them. Well, he's at least the played a couple Yasmani seasons. Tomas. Right, Tomas yeah. hit 30 home runs once and was just so yeah. bad defensively that he was unplayable. Rusne Castillo was just, I mean, they. Bad. DFA'd him off the roster a couple years ago. Uh, but anyway, yes, the White Sox. Uh, I mean, they've still got Eloy in reserve. Kopech will eventually come back from this injury. But the truth was they had enough talent that they could have possibly contended. My position was always that if you were getting that much talent back in that many different trades then you probably had enough talent on your roster to contend. I mean, they had they had a core, and then they sold them away, and then they sold them under the guise of rebuilding because that's always the guise under which teams who want to go cheap sell their players. No, I was going to say, I mean, they had Sale, they had uh, Quintana, they had Adam Eaton, they had so many good... Uh, enough to uh, to put a team around them. And the and funny thing is, every single one of those players would still be under contract this year. Yep. This year when they would walk away with the Machado. division. Yeah. And if they'd sign Machado, Machado. Right. Yeah. With, with Eaton, Sale, Quintana, that team walks away with the AL Central. Just like, I mean, I just don't understand... How you can justify that fire sale? Looking at that, yeah. But regardless, uh, you know, I like the move a ton for the Padres. They're not going to contend this year. They might not contend next year. And like I said, young talent is fickle, and sometimes it fails. Even the can't miss guys miss occasionally, like mm-hmm. Moncada. But uh, I mean, you can't help but like what they're doing. They're augmenting their young core with real major league players and like you know the Hosmer deal didn't work it's still you've still got time I mean he's only 29 years old but he alter he alternates between good and bad seasons that is true so this is a good season for him this year I like yeah I, I mean I I like the deal as much as it was a vast overpay and way more than anyone else was offering I like the fact that they're actually trying to sign players. That seems good for baseball. I mean, considering their payroll is now $110 million, they could easily afford Harper or Keuchel or both if they wanted to and try and contend this year. I'm not saying they have to. Let's talk a little bit about Keuchel, actually, Um, just because he really hasn't been in the news except for one or two rumors we heard this week. Yes, yesterday was the first time I heard Dallas Keuchel's name in a long time. So, John Heyman yesterday said that the Padres don't see a fit for Dallas Keuchel and their team. They don't see a fit that for him? They don't see a fit, that's what he said. And I just want to go through the projected starting rotation of the San Diego Padres. Oh boy. So you got, yeah, so you got uh, Joey... Uh, Lucchesi. Joey Lucchesi, the most Italian player in baseball, who's actually pretty good. Uh, Robbie Erlin, 
Okay, Robbie Erlin, Lester. Fine. Brian Mitchell. The former Yankee, whom I've definitely heard of. Eric Lauer. Eric Lauer, son of Matt. And Luis Perdomo. Luis Perdomo, man. He, uh... I think he's hurt. I don't know if he's starting the is year. Is he hurt? I have no idea. I know that Denilson LeMay is hurt. He... Denilson, that's the one yes, I'm thinking he's of. he's the yeah. guy. He, he had Tommy John, so he's out for the year. So that's a bad rotation, if you ask me. Interesting thought. You don't believe in Joey Lucchese? No. And a guy like Dallas Keuchel, who's a ground ball pitcher in the spacious Petco Park, to me seems like a perfect Well, fit. he's a major league caliber pitcher who, I mean, he's a good fit for any team. There's no team that couldn't be improved with Dallas Keuchel. No team has a rotation that good. So it's just, to me, surprising in the era of fly balls that a guy who goes against the grain, you know, power hitters who hit fly balls, guy who goes against the grain like Keiko is a ground ball pitcher, it's just surprising that he's getting no talk and we're in end of February. I have this intuition that Dallas Keiko and his contrasting style with the rest of baseball would make him a perfect fit in so many different rotations. Can you imagine if you're in a three-game series and you see Max Scherzer in game one, and then in game two, you see Dallas Keuchel, and then in game three, you see Steven Strasburg. So sandwiched in between two guys with high 90s fastballs, especially with Scherzer with the high spin rate fastball, the fastball that seems like it rises, you see a rising fastball, and then the next day you see this heavy, boring, two-seam sinking fastball with its low spin rate uh, coming from the left side instead of the right, uh, trying to get ground balls and have you pounded on the ground. I think that that would supercharge the effectiveness of both pitchers. Uh, I mean, I just have this intuition. I don't know how true that is. I've had this intuition for a long time. Ever since 2010, I said that a rotation of Strasburg and Levon Hernandez would be a supercharged one-two punch on the Federal (laughs) Baseball Message Board, under which I think the the comment that I left was that a a, uh, Strasburg, Levo, Scott Olson, Luis Atalano, J.D. Martin rotation could compete with any rotation in the National League because I was very smart there. Yes, you were. That's a great take. It really was, uh, and I'm very proud of it. But I, I don't think the intuition that contrasting styles of pitching is wrong, or it improves both sides is wrong. I think that when, and I imagine that, that interviews with players would bear this out, but when you have to see pitchers with two completely different looks, it, it improves both pitchers, uh, and it makes it much harder to hit them. But uh, my, the, mm-hmm. the truth is that I think that there were very reasonable arguments to make to take Dallas Keuchel over Patrick Corbin and to give him, obviously the first one is cost, that Keuchel at the time we thought might cost somewhat less than $100 million, as opposed to Corbin who got 140 But I think Corbin was sold, and certainly sold to Mark Lerner if you watched his interview yesterday. Uh, you don't need to watch the interview. It was it was basically a fluff piece, but he said something sort of interesting, 
which was that he believes that Corbin is going to hasn't hit his stride and is going to continue to improve. And I think that's how Corbin was sold both to the Nationals organization and, and that's why he got his money. Uh, and that's why he had so many bidders. That this guy is on the upswing of his career and that he's going to continue to improve throughout the life of the contract. That's also ironic considering the fact that Harper and Machado had to wait so long, or Harper still has to wait, and you can make the same exact argument for both of them. I mean, I, I can't imagine not being able to make that argument for Harper, a guy who has had an MVP season and, and always has that potential to, to have that kind of MVP season. But, uh, I mean, the, the point was that, that Corbin was sold not on what he's done, but what he's going to do, which is rare for a free agent. But I, I just don't know that, you know, between the, the loss in velocity that happened over the course of the season uh, and the drop in performance beyond the first about month or so of the season, I mean, he was pretty decent, but we're talking 3-4 ERA over from May to September, which is good but not remarkable. I mean, Keuchel's had sustained success at the major league level. He's won a Cy Young. He was very good in 2017. He was pretty good in 2018. He wasn't great, but he was pretty good. Uh, and for teams to just sort of ignore all that and write him off just because he doesn't look like what a starter in 2018 looks like, it's, it's very odd. I agree. I think that he needs to get signed, and I also think that Craig Kimbrell needs to get signed. And I am still, you know, we talked about this a bit last week, about how, you know, in the age of bullpenning, a guy like Kimbrell, you know, could do well. I mean, has done well. He's a Hall of Fame closer. Um, but, you know, he said there's a report from Jim Bowden, so not sure how reliable it is, but he said yesterday that um, Kimbrell was considering sitting out the entire season if he didn't get the contract he was looking for. And his a Kimbrell's agent said that wasn't true, but it's an interesting thought, uh, you know, that the best closer in baseball might just sit out the season. And it says a lot about what the state of baseball might be in. You know, uh, I would say that the reliability of Jim Bowden's reporting is just above... Bob Nightingale, and just below all those fake Ken Rosenthal accounts. Uh, yeah. I just... They they have, like, a degree in being wrong all the time. Especially Nightingale. Like, Nightingale last night, all of a sudden, while every single person, all the Phillies beat reporters are saying that John Middleton and his plane have left Las Vegas and are going towards Clearwater... Nightingale kept insisting that John Middleton wouldn't leave Las Vegas until a deal was done and that he was still there. Like, I, I don't know where his sources are coming from, if he's making them up, or if he, like, is playing a game of telephone or something, and, like, he's at the very end of it, and everything that comes out of his source's mouth has to go through, like, six other people or something, but... I just yeah. I don't understand how he is wrong all the time and keeps his job. It's incredible. It's, 
it's not only that he's wrong, it's that you can set your watch to the fact that whatever he says, the opposite is more likely to become true. It's, it's truly a feat. The Corbin signing, we tweeted that after, the Phillies will not get their offer beat, and then two hours later, Nationals sign Patrick but, Corbin. I mean, it's like he makes the correct predictions about the future, and then reverses them and then tweets the opposite. It's yes. not just that he's incorrect, it's that he's frequently the opposite of correct, which is truly amazing. We should take him to Vegas and just whatever he says, bet on him, do the opposite. That's a good idea. Plus, if we took him to Vegas, maybe yeah. he'd be able to see for himself that John Middleton wasn't there. But anyway, back to Kimbrell. Uh, yes, Craig Kimbrell is quite good, uh, and that's obvious to anyone. But I just I don't know what's going on there. Is it that he's asking? I mean, he should be asking for the moon. Uh, we we saw just three off seasons ago, two off seasons ago, where Melanson got four fifty. Kenley Jansen got what was it uh, five eighty. Uh, Chapman got five ninety. Right. If Aroldis Chapman is worth ninety million dollars, then Craig Kimball is worth six and a hundred. Craig Kimball is better than yeah. Aroldis Chapman. He's the best closer of all time. He's not asking too much. Well, Teams are just no. He is. He's better on a per inning basis than Mariano Rivera, and it's not particularly close. He's more dominant. He has way more strikeouts. I mean, Mariano Rivera didn't even average nine strikeouts per nine. Obviously, a different era and all that. But Craig Kimbrell, I think his career average is 13.2. I'm going to look that up doing research. Uh, his career strikeout per nine is 14.7 Ks per nine. His career FIP is 196. Uh as opposed to Mariano Rivera's, which I think is 273. It's not even close. He's got a, a career whip under Rivera's. Rivera's was uh, roughly one. His is 920. It was exactly one. Yes. Mariano Rivera's career whip was exactly one. I thought I remembered that. The point is, Craig Kimbrell is really, really good. Like, otherworldly good. And he was pretty good last year. And he was really, really, really good the year before that. And, I mean, I, I just, I don't believe the teams are actually scared off by his postseason. I just, I don't know what's happening with him. I don't know why we've heard absolutely nothing about his market. There are so many different teams that could use him. The Cubs could use him. Like I've said, the Rays have payroll space that they could pay for him. Obviously, if you're going to be a $45 million payroll team, Maybe closer isn't the most efficient way to spend it, but they shouldn't be a $45 million payroll team anyway. So Craig Kimbrell should obviously have a job right now, and that's not really a controversial thing to say. But I just, no. I don't... I mean, all these guys should have but a But I don't know... Well, Marwin Gonzalez found his job. He did. I like what the Twins are doing. I like that they're trying. Trying is good, especially in a division where no one else is trying. Where the White Sox's attempt at trying was, well, we tried to offer Manny Machado a contract he wouldn't want to take. We didn't change it once he didn't take it. We tried. Uh, but the, and the Indians, you know, 
attempt at trying is a bunch of minor league free agents in the outfield, buttressed by other guys I've never heard of. Uh, and Tyler Naquin, who I have heard of. But, okay, I was sidetracked. I don't know what we were talking about anymore. The Indians. The Indians. Uh, yes. They are bad for baseball. They are essentially the the efficiency ideal taken to its logical extreme. And what I mean by that is basically they're trying to win exactly the amount of games that will win make them into the playoff team or excuse me, will put them into the playoffs. They're trying to be as efficient as possible and win exactly the amount of games that will put them into the playoffs. It was this hypothesis that some people on Twitter had a long time ago that any win over the number of wins that you need is a wasted win. Uh, they're basically taking that and putting it into practice, which means they're leaving themselves with very, very little margin for error. And they're not really going to be competitive against the Yankees, Red Sox, and Astros, who are very, very, mm -hmm. very good teams. Uh, so they're, they're basically just playing for two home playoff games. Uh, I mean, it still looks like they're going to get them, but it's bad for baseball what they're doing. Yeah, I think they're... I mean, the fact that they were trying to trade Kluber uh, or Bauer this offseason, whether... I mean... Morosi was John Morosi was running with that train all offseason trying to see if something would happen. Never, nothing ever did, but just shows you where they are. I mean, they traded Jan Gomes with no good backup option. Um, they traded Gomes immediately they, after having traded Fernando Mejia at the trade deadline. Yeah, they there were plenty of outfield options in there, and they have a terrible outfield. There are plenty of outfield options in their price range. Even if they're not going to sign Bryce Harper, like Denard Span is out there. He's got a 112 OPS over the last two years. 112 OPS plus. Uh, I mean, he's not good defensively anymore, but he's better than anything else they have internally. Adam Jones is still out there. They could easily fix their outfield if they wanted to spend even a little bit of money. But hell, who knows, even considering this market, they might be able to get those guys on minor league deals, which is asinine, but it might happen. Yeah. Uh, anyway. Yes. Any other uh, spring training thoughts from yesterday or the day before? Um, I, I, I was watching um, a highlight from the Mariners game, and uh, Shed Long was up to that, and the announcer called him Toolsy, and I thought that was funny. <laughs> Shed Long homered yesterday, too. He did. That's what I was watching. Ah, he is toolsy. Yeah. Uh, we could yeah. talk about Scherzer and the pitch clock. Scherzer's obviously wrong on that. The pitch clock is remarkably unobtrusive. It gives you 20 seconds to get to your stretch position. If you can't do that, then you should really be looking at yourself as the problem and adjusting. Well, I don't know how you can call him wrong. I mean, he's the one up there throwing the ball. He knows if it's distracting or not. Well, it's not that he's it's wrong. It's just something else it's to think about. He needs to get used to it. Because 
it's it's really not a very large ask out of pitchers. It's it's not at all. To give them 20 seconds, frankly, that's in the rule book. That 20-second limitation is already in the rules, even without a pitch clock. And uh, I know that at least once in baseball history, with regards to Troy Percival, it was actually enforced. So if that's in the rules, they're enforcing the rules. I mean, that's all that the pitch clock is, a mechanism of enforcement of that rule. And if you don't like it, you have to adjust to it. It's not that big a deal. Uh, so that's discussion on the pitch clock. And now we can get to our fun game. Yeah, so because it's spring training and because there are a lot of guys who are out there who are on non-roster invites, uh, there are a lot of random guys who are just showing up. Um, you know, Either they've been out of baseball for a couple years or you just don't know where they are these days. So this is um, – I'm going to ask Jacob a few guys um, – and he's going to tell me what team were they invited to camp with. Um, so I'm going to start off with a guy who was on the Indians last year. He's bounced around for many teams. Uh, Melky Cabrera. What team is Melky Cabrera oh, wait, on? I know this. Uh, this is easy. I saw this signing. It happened a week ago. Uh, I'm going to say the White Sox. No, he's on the Pittsburgh Pirates. Well, I wouldn't have guessed that. No. Johnny likes to do this to right. me. I'm always terrible at it. I have no idea where anyone is. Yes, he is. All right. Number two, Ricky Nolasco. He hasn't pitched since 2017 when he was terrible then. What team was he invited to camp with this I'm going to go with an old standard and say he's on the Florida Marlins. Not the Miami Marlins, the well, Florida the Fl- Marlins. <laughs> Um, he is not on the Florida Marlins. He is not on the Miami Marlins. He is on a different 1993 expansion team. The Colorado Rockies? Uh, no, sorry. 97, my bad. I misspoke. The Diamondbacks. The Diamondbacks. Okay. Yes. All right. How about a different Marlins player, though? Uh, Derek Dietrich. Where is he? He's a non-roster invitee, which surprised me. It didn't surprise uh, me, but, uh... He certainly shouldn't be. Is he a red? He is a red. Damn. I'm a winner. Got one Where right. Congrats. You win a chance to answer another question right. All right. It's all right. right now I'm going to go for some. Let's go with uh, Dustin Ackley. He's at camp this year. Who's he at camp with? Who would sign him but the Mariners? It's got to be the Mariners. It, It is the Mariners. Right. Trying to give him another That's shot. Nostalgia play. Second overall pick in the 2009 draft. Better than Strasburg. Fangraphs. Yeah. Uh, how about another a former Washington National from many years ago, Emilia Bonifacio? Emilio! Um, Lord, I don't know. He's not playing in, like, Korea or something? No, he is playing. He is at camp this year. Hmm. I'm going to say the Minnesota Twins. That would be incorrect. He's with the Tampa Bay Rays. Yeah, it makes sense. He's positionally flexible and cheap. Seems like a Rays type of guy. All right, I'm going to round this thing out with a guy who hasn't played in the MLB since 2015, former World Series hero, Alan Craig. What team is Alan Craig at camp with? Jesus. 
Yes. Okay. I'm going to go with the San Francisco Giants, just on a complete guess. Very close. Wasn't too far off. He's plays for the San Diego Padres. The Padres. Wow, they are making moves. Manny Machado, Alan Craig, yeah. others. Yeah. Apparently, apparently Craig played in their farm system last year. Played AAA. Had a pretty decent season at 290. That was that was so, the weirdest thing. He just showed up in 2014, like he had been attacked by the Monstars and been drained of all of his baseball talent, and he's never gotten it back. Like the, it's not even a yips so. type situation. A yips situation, you understand, but like it was just, it yeah. was just like he all of a sudden forgot how to play baseball. Yeah, it's pretty. Uh, it was pretty surprising. But anyway, you did. Uh, you were two for six, so thirty-three percent. Okay, look at that. That's passing yeah. grade. I'm pretty sure. Sure. It's definitely a, th- a three thirty-three batting average would put me in the Hall of Fame. So. Hey. You're a Hall of Famer in my books. Oh, thanks, John. And you? Well, anyway. You're, I don't know, not a Hall of Famer, but Hall of Very Good, at least. Hey, you know. Yeah, like in that. Put me there with Jim Like that Dick Allen, Tony Phillips range. Pretty good. Guys that I remember. Yeah. Okay. I mean, it's not nothing. Well, anyway. Thank you for listening to another episode of The Rashcast. Next week's episode will be recorded in West Palm Beach, Florida. Yes, and we plan on so. something, doing something special for it. We haven't decided what yet. Uh, we promise it'll be less of a mess than this episode, but this is fun. And I hope you have as much fun yeah. listening to it as we did recording it. Yes. So anyway, thank you for listening, and we will see you guys next week.